request, and I was asking the Lord what he wanted me to do with it, and I believe I have direction to what we're going to do with it here in a moment, but I want to get into our studies right away, because I believe that this will, um, it does tie right in with what we're going to be ministering on, okay? Amen? Uh, how many know what we've been teaching on in here? You've been coming for any amount of time, you should know, because we've been on the same subject for well over a year now. Isn't that something else? Isn't God great? I would have never thought that this could go this long, but praise the Lord. What are we doing? We're getting into the Word of God, aren't we? We're looking into the Word of God of, uh, about how Jesus did what He did. Why is that important for us as Christians? Because we're supposed to follow after Christ. We're supposed to do things like Jesus. We're supposed to see how he did it and then turn around and do it ourselves, just like Jesus. And that means if we do it just like Jesus, guess what's going to happen? We're going to get the same kind of results. I know people sometimes say, well, I, I, I pray, Pastor Dan, and I pray, 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 and I don't ever get any results. Well, you ain't praying like Jesus. I'm not trying to be mean or rude when I say that. Because did Jesus ever not get results? See, I'm saying that. And again, I don't say that to condemn anybody or beat anybody up. I'm just tr simply trying to get this point across. We need to find out how Jesus did what he did. Because Jesus is the one who told us in John 14, 12. Most assuredly, I say to you, the, the works that I do, you shall do also. That means we're supposed to be doing what Jesus did. Well, the only way we're going to be able to do what Jesus did is to know how he did it. And that's what this whole study's been about. Amen. We've looked at how Jesus prayed. We've looked about how Jesus always walked in love. We looked about how Jesus was always faithful. We looked about how Jesus handled the challenges and the, and, and, and the uh, uh, sufferings in this life. We looked about how Jesus operated in divine authority. And now we're looking at how Jesus ministered healing. I believe that if we will continue to look at how he did it, Allow the Holy Spirit to minister these revelations to our heart. And then, like I said, we turn around and we put it into practice. Just like Jesus, we're going to have the same kind of uh, results that Jesus had. Am I the only one that gets excited about that? I want to be able to do it just like I want to be able to speak a word here and have a result way over there. I want to be able to command sickness to go, even though I'm not even near that person, and sickness leaves that person. I want to, now, remember when we talked about divine authority? I want to be like Jesus and be able to speak to the wind and the waves. Tell, tell them to stop, to, to peace, be still, and they obey. Oh, Pastor Dan, you can't do that. You're not the son of God, but I'm a child of God. And I'm a follower of Christ. I'm a disciple of Christ. And I don't do it in my authority. I do it in his authority. He delegated his authority to me so I can use that authority and do it just like Jesus did it. But you got to have faith. When a storm is coming against your family and against your home that looks like it's going to bring disaster, don't just sit there and say, well, what am I going to do? How am I going to handle this? Well, you know, go hide underneath the bed and hope nothing happens. Or what about just simply standing up and say, Storm, I speak to you in Jesus' name. You will not harm my house and you will not harm my family in Jesus' name. That sounds like something we should be able to do. And like, again, people say, well, that's arrogance. No, that's confidence. 
I firmly believe we're supposed to be doing it like Christ. And when we do it like Jesus, guess what's going to happen? The world will look at us and say, wow, I want what they have. It's, I'm fed up with the church. The only thing the church ever does is speak words. Our Jesus is so lovely. He's so wonderful. He loves you. And then they walk away and don't do anything to help that person. That person might be dying of cancer. They might be dealing with something else. Their child might be, be sick. And we just say, oh, I'm so sorry. What's the sinner can do that. We're supposed to be different than the world. We're supposed to be different than Joe Blow's sinner down the road. We're supposed to be Christians, followers of the one true living God. And we're supposed to do it just like Jesus did it. They should see us doing the works of the Lord. And what would happen when that happens? Don't you think that would open a door up to share the gospel of Jesus with that person? Hello? want to make a difference in this world for christ every one of us should want to make a difference in this world for christ and we if we're going to do it we got to do it like jesus so we need to find out how he did things and that's why we've been on this study amen well so far in the study on how jesus ministered healing we've looked at six of the 19 recorded healings that he had while he was here and i'm not saying we're going to go through them all I'm trying to see, I can honestly say, I believe, I sense in my heart, this study is drawing to an end. I know, that's a miracle right there. But you know how the Lord does those things, right? Two years from now, I might still be up here. What manner of man is, anyway, glory to God. But um, I, 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 I just feel, I, I don't like to use that word feel. I just sense that I'm supposed to continue along these lines because God wants us to know not only how we can receive healing but I believe more importantly how we can minister healing I want to be that vessel God used us to minister healing to others I want to be someone here's a here's a here's proof right here Timothy how big was that tumor in you was it about the size of a so she had a tumor and in that size we prayed for her she went back to the, the doctor was it gone? It was gone. You know, I'm not saying that. I'm not bragging on me. That's all the glory to Jesus because I couldn't do, I couldn't, he- I couldn't heal anything. Jesus is the healer. But the bottom line is I want everybody in here to have testimonies like that. Just not, do you think that we would make a difference in this world if all of us stood up and be who we're supposed to be as children of the Most High God? And guess what would happen if we did that? We bring in the end time harvest and we get to go home. Streets of gold, hallelujah. Get to see our mansions. Get to see our loved ones who have gone on before us. Okay, glory to God. It gets me excited, so there you go. I want to continue this morning. I want to look at another healing. The healing of a man's demon-possessed and epileptic son. And uh, go with me, first of all, to Matthew 17. Then we're going to be going over to Mark 9. But this account is also found in Luke 9. Luke 9, verses 37 through 42. And before we read in Matthew 17, I want to say something important that I believe is important for us to understand when we get into these uh, different teach, this teaching here. Uh, and it's found in the first uh, few verses of Luke 9. And we're not, you don't have to go there, but just listen up. In the first couple of verses of 
Luke chapter 9, Jesus gives his disciples power and authority over all demons and over all diseases. He gives them power and authority to cast out demons and to heal the sick. And from there, they go out and they have great success doing just that. Okay, I want you to get that and understand that. This is, that happens right before this account takes place. Okay, so with that in mind, let's read um, uh, the account in Matthew 17. Praise the Lord, I need to get in better shape. It's so funny. I know I'm, I'm kind of bearing my uh, soul before you, but I do not like it when I'm, I start to get out of breath too easily. I'm a shouting, happy, jumping around kind of guy. And I want to be able to continue to do that without getting out of breath when I get to jumping around. Okay, anyway, that was all for free this morning. Matthew 17, verse 14 says, And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him, and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. Wouldn't that just be crazy? To have your child falling into the fire, falling into the water, and not being able to do anything about it. Verse 16 says, so I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Remember, this is the same disciples who had been authorized. And empowered to cast out demons and heal the sick. Verse 17, then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, because of your unbelief, right there is the answer to the disciples' question, because of your unbelief. Everybody see that? Then he continues to say, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. And nothing will be impossible to you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. First, I want to read verse 20 from the Passion Translation. He told them, it was because of your lack of faith. I promise you, if you have faith inside of you, no bigger than the size of a small mustard seed. You can say to this mountain, move away from here and go over there and you will see it move. There is nothing you couldn't do. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, my, 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 my. How many know that faith the size of a mustard seed isn't very big? In fact, you'd probably say it's very little. It's tiny. Well, if that's true, how much faith were the disciples operating in at this time? Less than a mustard seed amount of faith. Isn't that crazy? How do we know this? Because according to Jesus, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could move mountains. You could do the impossible. 
Which means you could cast out demons and heal the sick. Are you with me? You know, that's why when the devil comes with thoughts and says something like this, you don't have enough faith to do that. You don't have enough faith to do that. You need to tell him where to get off. Because you've just got to remind him all you need is mustard seed faith and you can do the impossible. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The bottom line is faith is so potent, so powerful, so life-changing. Friends, we're talking about the faith of God. The very faith that was used to create this universe. The mountains, the oceans, the seas, all the animals and so forth. God created with faith. The same kind of faith that we now operate in. Thank you, Lord. And according to Romans 12, 3, God has given to each one of us the measure of faith. Now, what we do with that measure of faith is up to you and me. But as we are continuously hearing the word of God, and as we are constantly exercising our faith by being doers of the word of God, our faith will continue to grow and grow and grow Think about it. If faith the size of a mustard seed can move a mountain, can do the impossible, how much could we do with baseball-sized faith? Basketball-sized faith? Ah, Building-sized faith? Mountain-sized faith? I'm telling you, as I've been studying this, I think we sell ourselves short big time in the area of our faith. God wants us to step out beyond our thinking into the realm of the spirit, into the understanding of the things of God and understand that faith is something we are supposed to be operating in Every single day of our lives. We're called to live by faith. Mustard seed faith. Mustard seed faith. If I held a mustard seed up here, you couldn't even see it. Yet with that size, that amount of faith, I can do the impossible. I I can move a mountain. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You come to it. Do you see the importance? What is it? First of all, what is, do you notice how Jesus, what's he focusing in on? What's he, what's he putting the focus on? Again, faith. Faith. What's going to happen when we get this? Route? Shouldn't we want to be in the word of God all the more? Don't you? Aren't you glad you come to a church that preaches the word? You're hearing the word when you come in here on Sunday mornings. Faith is being stirred up on the inside of you. Every one of you. I'm telling you right now. By the Spirit of God, every one of you has more faith in you than the size of a mustard seed. Stop and think about it. You can do the impossible. The faith that's in you. Think about it. They love. 
This is powerful. You can do the impossible. You can do the impossible. Everybody say, I can do the impossible. Say it again. Say it again. Am I the only one that that gets me a little bit excited? I know from whence I speak. I know that sometimes I'm wondering, God, why hasn't this happened? Why hasn't this happened? Why hasn't this happened? See, the devil comes because you don't have enough faith. I believe that there's enough faith in us to do these things if we would simply believe. 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 Everybody say believe. Is it hard to believe? It's easy to believe. It's a choice you make. You either choose to believe what God has said or you choose not to believe it. It's that simple. And, and you know what God wants? God wants us to stand on the edge of the mountain. This carpet's the edge of a mountain. And God wants us to do this. Trust me. Possible. I'm there for you. I'll catch you. Come on now. Step out of the boat. Walk on the water. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, man, I didn't think I'd get off on it this much, but there you go. I mean, isn't that, think about it. If this is true, Jesus said it, I didn't, Jesus said it. If this is true, then why would we ever doubt for a moment that we couldn't overcome the challenges of this life? I don't know if I'm saying that right, but you understand what I'm saying. Why would we even begin to doubt for a moment that we couldn't do what God's calling us to do? That when faced with great challenges, we couldn't overcome those challenges. Isn't that, didn't, oh, thank you, Lord. It's just like revelation dump right now, coming on me. Come on on me, Lord. Oh, glory to God. Faith comes to us by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's that simple. But see, what happens with so many Christians, and again, I'm not pointing the finger at anybody. But what happens with so many Christians, they get the faith in them, but they never release the faith out of them. They never become doers of the word of God. And that's sad. Do you know that there's people in hell who had faith in them to get born again? Pastor Dan, what are you saying? It's the truth. There's people in hell right now who heard the gospel message. And had enough faith in them to get born again, but they didn't do anything. They rejected it. They didn't make that confession of faith. Wow, I've never even said that before. That's powerful, isn't it? How many Christians sit in a chair, get so full of the Word of God, so full of the Word of God, so full of the Word of God, have faith all in them, but they never see their lives change? They never overcome. They never, get, they never get over sickness or disease. They just accept those kind of things and go on with their lives. Should it be that way for us as Christians? I'm not, and you understand, I'm not saying this to condemn anybody. I'm trying to stir us up. 
It doesn't take a whole lot of faith to change the circumstances in your life. Because with mustard seed faith, I, Daniel Greenwald, can do the impossible. I can move a mountain. We got mountains all around us. You would think I was absolutely crazy if I said to that mountain, move in faith. And the mountain started going. Praise God. It, it gets to me because it gets me because the revelation is so powerful. God has given us the means to grow and develop in this word and get the faith on the inside of us. But it's not supposed to stay in there. It's only when faith is released that when it goes out of our mouths, that that's when it becomes that, 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 that force of God that can go and change things and receive things from the spirit realm into this realm. Glory to God. Hallelujah. All right. I know we could dismiss right now, but we're not going to because we've got a long ways to go. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. See where it's at. Woo. Now I want to see, uh, you just see one more important thing here in Matthew 17. Did Jesus ever say that his disciples couldn't deliver and heal this boy? Did Jesus say that his disciples couldn't heal and deliver this boy? No. Who was it that said that? The father of the boy. Your disciples couldn't cast the demon out. All right? My question is, even though it's true the disciples didn't set this boy free and heal him, could they have? Could they have? Well, to answer that question, we must go back to see how Jesus responded to them when they asked him why they couldn't cast this demon out. Did Jesus say to them, only I, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, could have done this? You're not, so you couldn't have done this. This demon was a humdinger of a demon. The biggest and baddest around, and only I could have handled him. Is that what Jesus said? No, he put the focus on their unbelief. He put the focus on their lack of faith. Stop and think about this. As I already mentioned, just prior to this account, account, Jesus had authorized them and empowered them to cast out all demons, including that one, and to heal every sickness and disease. So the reason they weren't able to cast this demon out, according to Jesus Christ, was because of their, their lack of faith, because of their unbelief. Now go with me to Mark's account of this incident, and I'll try to speed it up some. Are you guys with me? I'm telling you, there's so much revelation in this. I'm telling you, there's so much revelation in this. I, I, this is like preaching four sermons in one. I'm telling you, you wait and see some of the stuff that you're going to be hearing. And, I, and again, I'm not bragging on me. I'm bragging on the Holy Spirit. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Mark 9, verse 14 says, And when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. And I thought that was kind of funny, I guess. I don't even know what the right word would be. Ironic, I don't know. 
But here these religious people are, and they're disputing with the disciples after the disciples couldn't get this boy set free. So in other words, I think they're just kind of having a heyday with him. You know what I'm talking about? Making fun of them. Verse 15, immediately when they saw him, speaking of Jesus, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Verse 17, then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. I want you to be paying close attention to what I'm fixing to say here. Did the fact that the disciples were unable to cast this demon out and heal this boy prove that it wasn't God's will to heal everybody? And yet, this has been one of the biggest reasons down through the years that people will use to tell us that it must not be God's will to heal all of us. I prayed for so-and-so, and they didn't get healed. This great Christian lady was prayed for, and she died. So obviously, healing isn't for all of us. But does that, the fact that somebody doesn't get healed, prove that it isn't God's will to heal all? Friends, here's a perfect example of that very thing happening. The disciples, who once again had been empowered and authorized to cast the demons out and to heal the sick, and had had success doing it prior to this account, were not able to heal this particular boy. Weren't able to set him free. And for so many people today, if they had been there when this happened, they would have turned around and said, Ha! That proves it's not God's will to heal everybody. I'm telling you, I guarantee you that would have happened. Friends, let me say something to you. Would that statement be true? Did the disciples' failure to deliver and heal this boy reveal the will of God? No, it did not, friends. How do we know that? Because in just a few short verses, Jesus comes right behind them and does deliver and heal this boy. And by so doing, he reveals to us what is the will of God. Because Jesus always revealed to us what the unchanging will of God is for all time for all men. Did you hear that? And if it was God's will to heal and deliver that boy back then, then it's still God's will to heal and deliver today. Because God does not change. And if God did it for that father's son, that means God will do it for us today. Because he's no respecter of persons. He does not play favorites. Amen. Now, does that mean everybody will get healed? No. As you've heard me say over and over again in here, what's been provided by grace, by God's unmerited favor, because of the redemptive work of Jesus Christ, must be appropriated into our lives with our faith. There's no better scripture for that. I don't even have it. Just go in your Bibles real quick to Ephesians chapter 2. What's been provided by grace 
must be appropriated in our lives with our faith. Otherwise, it's not going to benefit you. You're not going to get receive whatever it is that could be yours because it's already been provided for you. Healing, deliverance, and so forth. But you've got to appropriate it into your life with your faith. Ephesians 2.8 says this. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. Do you see that? The way I like to look at it is this. For by grace, that's God's part. You have been saved through faith. That's our part. Grace, God's part. Faith, our part. If you don't use your faith to take a hold of what God's provided by grace through the redemptive work of Jesus Christ, it won't benefit you. Did you hear that? It's there for you. Healing's available for you. Deliverance is available for you. Wisdom and guidance is provided for you. All of divine provision is provided for you. But it will just sit there and never benefit you unless you take a hold of it. And the only way we take a hold of it is by faith. Are you with me? Do you see that? Hallelujah. So if a person hears the gospel message and they don't take advantage of it with the faith that comes as a, as a result of hearing that gospel message, then it won't benefit them at all, at all. They'll leave from that service exactly the same way they came to that service unsaved. You understand that? And it's not, get this, it's not that it's not the will of God for them. It's that they didn't do their part. Are you, that's, they didn't use their faith. This is huge. That's, you know, that's why we need to be there for people when they struggle in these kinds of things. People who don't get their healing, people who don't get delivered. We got to be there to point them in the right direction. We got to show them how to live a life of faith, how to take advantage of what God's done for us through the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. We got to teach them how to live by faith. Amen. Because when we do that, then they will be able to take advantage of it and their lives will change as a result. Are you with me? Amen. Now look at verse 19. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Now, can, I, can you see how doubt and unbelief, it irritates the Lord? <laughs> I mean, do you remember the account, the very first account we talked about in this study? When they were going across the Sea of Galilee and the storm arose, Jesus was asleep on the pillow. And the disciples came running to him and woke him up and says, Jesus, don't you care that we're perishing? Do you remember what Jesus did? He got up. He rebuked the storm. Then he turned around and he rebuked the disciples. What did he say to them? Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Hmm. Why does unbelief and doubt bother Jesus so much? Because when a person chooses not to believe what's written in God's word, they're basically saying, God, although you've never lied to me before, I don't know about this time. 
although you've always come through for me before, I don't know about this time. Dear Jesus. I mean, stop and think about that. Do you see how this could irritate the one who has never lied to us? Who has never done us wrong? Can you see how this couldn't could get him a little bit irritated? My, my, my. Thank God that's not us. I said, thank God that's not us. We're the believing ones. We choose to take God at his word. No matter what we see, no matter how we feel, we live by faith. We take what this word says as this is the bottom line. This is the anchor to our soul. What does the word say? That's how I base my life. I will not be moved off of it. Because I know my God cannot lie. It's impossible for him to lie. If he said it, he will do it. I've got God's word on it. That settles it for me. Amen. You see how that would probably make Jesus smile? Yeah, see how, see how, look, look at Daniel down there. Oh, glory to God. He's catching it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I see that, Lord. I ask you to forgive me, Lord. <clears throat> I tell you what, things are changing in here for the better. I believe it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Verse 20, then they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. Now, let's put yourself in this place. And you see this person that you've been called to come over and minister to. All of a sudden, when you walk up, he throws himself on the floor, starts to foam at the mouth and wallow around. What would most Christians do right away? I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. Come out of that boy. Is that what Jesus did? Is that what Jesus did? No. Look what Jesus does. Jesus says, Jesus, so he asked the father, this boy's wallowing around, foaming at the mouth, blah, 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 blah. I don't know what he's doing. But he, so he asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? Here the boy starts to go, f- throw himself on the ground, and Jesus is asking a, 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 a question to the father real calmly. So how often he's been doing that? How long has that been going on? In other words, now get this, Jesus wasn't going to allow the devil to dictate to him what he was going to do. Jesus was being led by the Spirit of God as to what he needed to do. Oh, I'm telling you that's good because that's the way we as Christians are supposed to be living our lives. We're called to be led by the Spirit, not by the stinking devil and the circumstances and the junk he throws at us. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When something negative happens in your life, don't immediately think, well, I'm going to go do it this way because that's the way I've always done it. Look to your heart. Because God might have you do it differently this time. That's what it's called to be led by the Spirit of God. Amen. How long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and in the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. So what's this father doing? 
He's basically taking the entire responsibility of his son's healing and deliverance and putting it in Jesus' court. It's your responsibility. If you can do this. If you can do this. And then Jesus said to him, notice how Jesus responds. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Now, I wrote this down. I believe I have it back there. I put it up there. The most modern Greek New Testament actually believes you should be translated like this. If you can, this is Jesus talking. If you can, believe. All things are possible to him who believes. You see the difference in the way those two sentences are. I mean, do we ever doubt for a moment that Jesus can heal? That Jesus is able to deliver? Do we ever doubt that? No, we don't doubt. We know God's more than able to do that. So where's the issue? Believing. Again, where's the focus? Faith. But glory to God, all you got to do is believe, dude. All things are possible to him who believes. Do you see this? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Everybody say say believe. Believe. Verse 24, immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Now, I want to ask you a question. What part of our being do we believe with? Listen to what Romans 10.10 says. You don't have to turn there. You can look up here. For with the heart, with the heart, one believes. Where do we believe? In our hearts. Then trust, and, and, and then uh, Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. Where do we trust in the Lord? With our hearts. Do we, uh, do we trust in the Lord with our understanding or with our hearts? So we are called to believe with our hearts and we're called to trust in the Lord with our hearts. So when this father says to Jesus, Lord, I believe. Where do you think that's coming from? From his heart. From his heart. From his heart. Glory to God. He heard Jesus say all he had to do is believe. And all things that would then be possible. All things would be possible. All things would be possible. And I believe when he heard that, faith rose up. Faith rose up. And he starts to cry. I believe it was tears of joy. Lord, I believe. I believe. And help my unbelief. What does that mean? This guy, think about it. His son had been dealing with this since he was a child. He's been dealing with this since he was a child. And he he had brought him to the disciples. And they weren't able to do anything. What do you think? What kind of thoughts were being bombarded in his head? You know the devil was on his shoulder telling him it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Your boy will never be free. You'll never be be free. He said, Lord, help my unbelief. Brother Hagin made this statement years ago. Faith will work in your heart with thoughts of doubt in your head. And right now you might not comprehend that statement. But that's one of the most powerful statements you'll ever come to know about your faith walk. I'm telling you right now, when God is asking you to step out and do the impossible, your heart will be crying out, God, I can do it. I I believe, I believe. But the thoughts will be coming. You can't do that. You don't have enough faith. You don't have blah, 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 blah. Faith will work in your heart. Doubts in your head. 
Because that's exactly what just happened with this boy. I mean, with this father and his son. Why do I know that? Because look what the Bible goes on to say. And when he had, uh, excuse me, where are we at? Verse 25, when Jesus saw the people uh, came running together, I like that. Jesus sees the people start to run. Jesus is dealing with the boy. The boy's plopping out the mouth on the ground. Goes through all of this. The father says, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw the people come running to him, coming at them, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to a deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Why did Jesus go right then and there and do it? It doesn't say in here, thus saith the Lord, but I believe I can say this with confidence because here came a bunch of unbelief running at him. Here came a whole bunch of unbelief running at him. So I'm going to deal with it right now. You come out of him, you deaf and dumb spirit. spirit. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him, and he became as one dead. So the many said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. Even though he had thoughts of doubt in his head, his faith still worked. Oh, this is so good. See, Jesus was led by the Spirit of God to get this guy, this father, into the realm of faith. Because he knew if he could get him into the realm of faith, he was going to get the answer that he was looking for. And that's exactly what happened. He said what he said to this, this father. He, this father got a hold of it. I believe. And as a result, his son was set free. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Faith is so powerful. Faith is so powerful. I want to say this to you as well. Listen. Doubts in your head is not the same as doubts in your heart. What happens when the doubts come? And they will come, friends. I promise you. What happens when thoughts of doubt come? Thoughts of unbelief come? What do you need to do? Do not meditate on those. Do not sit there and play them around in your head. Have those different scenarios going off in your head. Instead, immediately take them captive, cast them down, and replace it with the Word of God. Speak out. I choose to believe what God has said in His Word. I'm living my life by faith, not by what I see, not by how I feel, and definitely by, not by these thoughts bombarding my head right now. I'm taking God at His Word. Hallelujah. And all I need is faith the sight of, of a mustard seed, and I can do the impossible. Come on. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Woo! Can I just share one more thing? I mean, I'm, I'm literally, I've got, are y'all good? Because I want to share one more thing. Because I want you to see this. Because I always had questions about this. Verse 28, and when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? Now, again, in the other account, in Matthew's account, what did he say? Because of your, your lack of faith, your unbelief. But here he just says, so he, in Mark's account, so he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. You need to understand something here. Jesus was not saying that this particular demon only comes out by prayer and fasting. What, what, what do demons answer to? The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, come out. Are you hearing what I'm saying here? And so... He, what he's doing when he says this, 
He's simply answering the disciples' question as to why they couldn't get this boy set free. And again, in Matthew's account, he said it was because of their lack of faith. But yet, the disciples had just been authorized and empowered to cast the demons out and to heal the sick. And they literally had gone out and done just that. But not this time. So something had to happen. Something had to happen. Something was hindering their faith. Getting their faith to where it was no longer effective. I'm going to put this out to you. That I believe that the disciples got over into pride. They got over into pride. I mean, you're casting out demons. You're healing the sick. And, and in fact, in this account, if you look at, study it out, just a few verses down, they start to dispute among themselves about who is the greatest among you. Does that sound like pride to you? So I, am, I believe that when Jesus said that to them, Jesus was saying to them, listen, you are lacking in faith because you've allowed pride into your life. And the only way you're going to get that out of you is by fasting and prayer. In fact, and again, I can't give you the exact scripture off the top of my head. But there's actually a scripture that talks about when you fast, you humble yourself. And, and, and let me say some things about fasting. Fasting does not change God. Fasting does not move God. Fasting is for you. Fasting is for you to put your flesh under. Because, see, your flesh, if given its way, will keep you out. Will keep you out of his presence. Will keep you out from hearing from him. Will keep you out from being able to be used by him. Are you listening? God rejects the proud. God rejects the proud. And it's not like. Uh, it, it's just so important that you learn to live a fasted lifestyle. Sometimes God might lay it on your heart to fast for a season. You know what I mean by fasting. You, you cut something off that your flesh desires. And mo what's the big, big thing that most people fast from because of what your body really wants? Probably a lot of you right now are thinking, Pastor Dan, shut up, I'm hungry. I want to go eat. Well, we're going to fast lunch today. <laughs> Fasting is you're cutting something off that your flesh likes to do. It might be cutting off television. It might be cutting off something else that you like to do. Shooting guns. Or whatever. Casey's like, well, don't even think about that. But anyway, listen. The bottom line is, is this. If there's pride in our lives, we need to humble ourselves before God. And we need to feed our spirit man with the truth of the word. Build our faith up. And then if we need to fast, then fast. We need to build our spirit man up and keep our flesh under. I'm convinced that's what happened here. They allowed pride to get in, and that pride kept them from being able to use the faith that was in them. Amen. Do you see that? And so, again, can faith work with doubts in our head? Can faith, can faith work with doubts in our head? Yes. <laughs> it can. Sorry. I, <laughs> well, that's, listen, that's what I'm trying to get across here. This is so powerful. Listen to me. If the doubts are coming and they're bombarding you, all you've got to do is remind yourself of what God said in His Word. You've got to keep it stirred up. 
You've got to be diligent about casting the thoughts down when they come. They're going to come. But again, just because you have doubts here doesn't mean you have doubts here. That's where, again, you've got to just simply remind yourself, listen, all I need is faith the size of a mustard seed. I can do the impossible. So, hey, devil, you can bombard my head as much as you want. I'm still stepping out on the word of God and doing this by faith, knowing that my God is. Woo! I'm preaching to you as much. I'm preaching to me as much as I'm preaching to you right now. Because, see, God wants us to go up higher. We're not supposed to have a church this size. I'm telling you by the Spirit of God in Jesus' name. I want you guys to get a hold of this. Be believing with us. Because I get bombarded with thoughts all the time where this church is concerned. And I know it's not right. My God spoke those things. I'm not backing off of that. No matter how much the doubts try to come. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, one day, glory to God, in the very near future, I'm going to be standing on a beautiful church uh, 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 stage, beautiful building, glory to God, and I'm going to say, do you remember? God has promised. Look what the Lord has done. Hallelujah. God wants to do the impossible. from this glory to God isn't this powerful I mean sometimes you just I don't even I mean I just want to because I don't even know how to put it in the words no I said I was going to do something and then closing we're going to do this because Clara gave me a, a, a prayer request when I read it I'm like going well this we're going to do this right after this is done because I know glory to God God's whoo of God just came on me. Uh, you're in faith right now. You hear me? You're in faith right now. You just heard the word of God. How many believe that Jesus is the healer? Jesus never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. How many believe that Jesus is the, liber the del deliverer? Do you remember in some of these studies where Jesus never even went to the house? He just spoke the word. He said, my friend Chris has had cancer for about three years. But the past six months, the cancer has grown 50%. And he is thinking about withdrawing treatment. Basically, he's given up. I hate the devil. I hate, the devil. I hate this kind of stuff. But God has given us the Come against it. We don't have to feel sorry for Chris. We have the answer for Chris. I want us to come together in agreement right now. In fact, I want you to stretch your hands out toward this card. And I want you to think, is, 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 I know this is, this is not a, meant to be a bad question, but is it Chris a male or a female? Thank you. Is he a Christian, do you know? He is a Christian. Hallelujah. So, Father God, I, I, I don't even know Chris. But he's your, your child, my brother in the Lord.